This is a HeadGum Podcast. In 86, Anna Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club You want to talk about it now or later? You want to talk about Jenkins? No. I want to talk about the films that you love. No. I don't want to. Challenging. No, I want to talk I don't about how do challenging this. the films you love are, Jack. Let's talk about Jenkins. Once again, you made the suggestion this week. Don't you dare. And it was pretty, a pretty challenging film, wasn't don't it? Don't do this. Listen, let me ask you this. Yep. When, when did this film come out? 1993. 1993. Where were you, sir, Mr. Brave fucking hero of the people in 1993? Front I didn't lines. hear a fucking peep. I didn't hear a fucking peep from you about the challenging aspects of this film. Did I? Was I was on the front lines. Here's <laughs> the things I was speaking out against in 1993. Yeah. Contra. <laughs> the Iran-Contra affair? AIDS crisis. Okay. <laughs> Crack epidemic. Okay. Wow. And Nancy Kerrigan. Troubling depictions of and challenging troubling depictions of hot button issues hot button issues in mrs doubtfire wrong-headed you want me to sing it for you challenging depictions of if i sing for you will you let it go enjoy dressing like women if i sing for you will you move on and we can talk about something else probably not but i would like to hear it anyway there goes my hero Yeah. And that's about you. And it's about you. And you really fucking... Wow. What about a slow clap? A lot of challenging wow. thoughts and dialogue in this film, uh, wasn't there? What? You, wow, thank you. Really oh. challenging. Oh, thank you for saying it. Oh. You're welcome. Oh, my goodness. This no- movie from 1993 doesn't hold up to standard. Tough. Oh, Tough one. Thank you for noticing it and saying it. Oh. Thank you. Thank you. You want to hear about Jenkins? Yep. We're in a fight. Okay. You guys are fighting. Yeah. Well, I mention it because um, he um, is probably going to come in here. At, he, I know why he, you're mentioning it. You're trying to pit me against him. <laughs> you're well, both doing this thing where you're like, Manipulating all your friends and like claiming yeah. little friend, like staking out your territory. Don't uh-huh. think he didn't approach me either. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, listen, you can take whatever side you want. When Jenkins gets, the reason I'm mentioning it is that when Jenkins gets annoyed with me, he comes into this room and rips up cardboard. Okay. And he knows that it goes on the podcast audio. And that's why I'm mentioning it. Okay. Right. You can take a side or not. Here's the fight. Jenkins wants his dinner. It's an hour past dinner time. Okay. And I have not given him his dinner. Okay. Whose side are you on currently? Jenkins. Okay. <laughs> now listen to this. You Jenkins insisted on having cat lunchtime, which is not a fucking thing, a few hours ago. Okay. That's news <laughs> to me. <laughs> and I gave it to him. And it's yeah. still in his bowl. Well, was it good food? Was it's it the food? same food that dinner is. So Jenkins is asking me, prepared? listen to me. It's fancy feast. It's the fanciest kind of feast. Okay. It's the same food. Okay. And how think is it about prepared? This. I think probably in like some industrial 
like factory, they like took like. And you expect him to eat that shit? He loves it. That's what he wants. But have he just wants the, no, have you ever no. read the jungle. That's what he wants. But he wants a different. Have you ever read the jungle? Yeah, I know what it is. Upton Sinclair, and it's about factory farming. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. And, and that's what you're feeding your cat. <laughs> wow, you're digging yourself deeper and deeper in that <laughs> hole, man. <laughs> I know you were like trying Forget to. It. You're trying to manipulate me now, just like Jenkins did. But but that's what Jenkins wants. That. <laughs> Forget it. I just can't, I feel like I can't win. Somehow it's my fault that Mrs. Doubtfire doesn't like isn't up to code. Yeah. Well, <laughs> then, you suggested it. And you were <laughs> aware enough in 1993 yeah. to know better, Jack. Okay. Yeah. Fine. Be better. We'll, Do better. We'll, okay. Now that we've we're past that, can we talk about some other aspects of the film? It's hi hi, it's uh me. It's Jack. It's a me, Jack. And who else is it rather than imitating? Tanner it's a me, Tanner. And it's, it's why are you so – and who's salty? I'm salty. Why am I salty? I'll tell you. I already told you because they Dang fucking th- thought Cyril was unwell at daycare, and he wasn't, and they sent oh, him yeah. home, and it ruined my day. Right. <laughs> why am I salty? Yeah. I'm not. Cause, no, you're not. Um, what's cute? What's cute that Cyril does? Here's, here's what's cute. We read, a, um, we read a book today that we got from the, that Sarah got from the library about a porcupine. And Cyril calls him a pokeypine. <laughs> That's that is cute. cute. That's cute. Here, that here's what cute. else is cute, though maybe also troubling. Are you familiar with the app um, Honey? Honey. That's is like, that the uh, one where we used to thumb kiss? It's a Google extension. No, that thumb kiss was, ju- was called Pear. You and I had an app that was just for couples. <laughs> Oh, you you could only sign up if you were a couple. Yeah, <laughs> and Jack and I signed up together, and we did thumb kissing. Yeah, <laughs> upset our wives, um, <laughs> then girlfriends. Yeah. I think probably, um, but uh, Honey is like a extension where you can get like coupons on like Amazon and stuff. Okay, but it has a guy. I'm not a coupon user. Okay, I don't well, use coupons. It's not. I find them and find them insulting. Well, you're not going to like this cute story. There's a guy on it that's just like this like round circle guy who has like a fun, funny face and a smile, and he dances while Honey is waiting to um, decide whether or not. Is it Mr. Delicious? They could find a coupon. No, it's not Mr. Fucking Delicious. Do you remember Mr. Delicious? No, I don't, and I don't want to remember who it is with you right now. You remember Rax? No. <laughs> Maybe you weren't in America by the time Rax closed. Cyril got so obsessed with the Honey guy. He got Mr. obsessed Delicious. with him, and he calls him Cucon Man. <laughs> Cucon Man. I want to see who is he called. It's the Honey logo. I'm, I'm googling Cucon Man. No, that's not going to get you anywhere. And I, I made him cocoon? out of a, a cocoon. Sorry, Cocoon Man. I got a um, <laughs> I got a paper plate and painted him on the paper plate, and so now we have Cucon Guy, and he like runs around and makes him dance in the house. That sounds like fucking content. That sounds like content for like a it's a cute kids like a family experience yeah. website. It's content. We could do something with it. We got to talk about this book. How to do a fun craft where you make Cucon Man for your boy? Yeah, it's good. It's good. And what I did was good. It's I searched Honey Man and it's just not giving me anything. It's actually kind of hard to find. Honey app character maybe. Yeah, I guess I don't know, man. It's can it's you not. draw him for me now? I can show you the plate if you want. Please. Okay. All right. Vamp for me. I'll show you this plate. Okay. A, a fucking fantastic visual experience for our listeners. 
Let's talk about the challenging aspects of this film, Baby Nation. Pretty tricky stuff with like cross-dressing and you know trans rights and stuff like that. Hard to hard to make excuses for it. Like one could just say like, "Oh, it was 1993," but yeah, it was like they they found every single possible song about like uh, misgendering someone, like the Aerosmith song and like some Beach Boys song. It sounded like that was tough. Um, there goes my hero. He's ordinary. I assume you were filling airspace by talking about how fucking virtuous you are for noticing all the challenging aspects of this film. Well, yep. guess who also thinks this film is challenging? It's Cute Guy. Oh, he's just sort of a surprisingly basic. Yeah, it's pretty basic. But I was expecting for... something much more involved. It's yeah. just like a a U shape with two black dots above it yeah it's cute yeah oh and he's got hands and arms yeah pretty good job that's a craft you can do with your kids we must talk about this film it's um can i ask more about cucon man i guess i guess just slightly curious about yep curious about him a little bit is he a sexual being um i think he lives for the cucons and how does he reproduce cucons are like um it's like a, a a term of art for his people for like egg sacs okay and how are the eggs fertilized I don't know. I've never seen it. I'll tell you one way, one pretty big way eggs are often fertilized, unless you're like a fish. Yeah. Intercourse. Intercourse. Well, not with Kukon Man. I, I, this is not, this is so not what is he okay. reproduces like a fish where it's like egg sacs on the like ocean yes. floor and then like a Tanner, the Kukon Man, man from Honey, for the Honey app reproduces like a fish. Okay. That's good to know. Yes. That's good to know. I'm glad we've sorted it out. And I think we should. Honey advertises on podcasts. Do they? So I'll just send them this audio. <laughs> can I? Uh, can I read a tweet that our friend Cam sent me today? And then we must talk about this book. Do you promise me? Okay. Say it. Quick. Say the tweet. I'm. I was listening to your podcast this morning, and I gotta say, Keto Beto is an A plus advertising tool. <laughs> and I said. I can't believe these ad agencies haven't snapped me up yet. And he said, I can't believe these advertisers are still paying you. <laughs> and he is right. Keto Beto is not good. We can't talk about Keto Beto. We can't talk about our friend, Cam Smith. What we shall do is talk about Mrs. Doubtfire. It's one of the movies from the 90s, and it's by Chris Columbus, isn't it? And he's back, isn't he? Christopher <laughs> Columbus, genocidal yeah. uh, <laughs> maniac. Uh, colonist conqueror not content with the damage he did with adventures in babysitting is back turned turned homophobic thor slanderer (laughs) turned anti-trans perfect uh bigot great this movie is really fun despite your fucking energy about it and the fact that it doesn't totally stand the test of time i defy you to tell I, me this movie is not i recognize that this is a movie that people love and have very fond memories of yeah. so i'm not here to like sit and trash this movie i did not enjoy it and i think it's what? because Why? i had i had fairly high hopes for it i was like this i remember this movie being great i'm gonna love this it's so and then fun. sat down and watched it and just sat there with like a puss on the entire time like, why it's funny it's this fun is so and funny. lame it's just like Ru- dumb slapstick you're a dumb slapstick I, maybe you're too young for this movie it's like it's a lot of it is improvised 
okay, well, it's that that the thing about improv is sometimes it it doesn't work. Oh, okay. So Robin Williams, it doesn't live up to your standards for improv. <laughs> Fucking your highness. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I wonder whether it, the case might be that you have bad taste or that Robin fucking Williams is a bad improviser. I don't know. It's one of those two things. It's just like so <laughs> Let's corny. Let's find out. It's so corny. <laughs> it's super fun. You're a, a bad. Um, we're going to talk about this film. It's Mrs. Doubtfire. It's a babysitting movie. Again, much like The Road, a highly, highly controversial topic. Mm-hmm. Can a dad babysit his own children? And what if he's pretending to be someone else? Does that make right. it easier? What if he's pretending to be... I don't even remember. I, I never quite caught her first name. Uh, Euphigenia. Euphigenia. Yeah. Euphigenia Doubtfire. Right. Uh, an... 60 something british lady yes from uh from a place that doesn't exist footballer in england yep. a fullback from a football team widow um, widow a uh, r- recent widow eight years prior she was widowed her husband winston passed on he was hit by a guinness truck mm-hmm. i think i suspect that the reason for that is that um it allowed robin williams uh, to make the joke that uh, he was killed by the drink. Yeah. He was quite fond of the drink. Ah. It was the drink that killed him. How awful. He was an alcoholic. No, he was hit by a Guinness truck. <laughs> um, voluntarily celibate. Yes, voluntarily celibate. She believes that... Vol um, cell. That a vol cell, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's a vault cell, which is someone She's who on all the that. message boards talking about like, <laughs> vault cell, the vault cell lifestyle. Do you think you and I could infiltrate like an incel message board and just be vault cells and be like, I don't know what you guys are upset about. Like, we're at the same place and I'm like really happy about it. You just got to change your thinking around this. Yeah. Um. That's Anything good. else? Any other fun facts? Fast, fast fun facts about fast fun facts about Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, she um, that's pretty that's much it. it. I think yeah. Brothers, she's her brother is um, Danny. I don't I don't remember anyone's names. Hilliard. Well, that's com- that's complex. Hilliard. That Hilliard. that gets that. Th- so this is a movie about exploring. Multiple oh, and she and they're half. Sorry, not they're half brother and half sister. Th- yes, but no. Now you what you've done is you've kind of created a paradox because at, at some point in this film Mrs. Doubtfire has to uh Robin Williams as Mrs. Doubtfire has to pretend to be his own sister. Yep. For, for, a, for a social, social worker. worker. Yep. But that is not that character is not Mrs. Doubtfire. That character is Mrs. Hilliard. And she looks exactly like Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh. Oh. Okay. Yeah. That's challenging. That's challenging. There's a lot to think about. We're going to describe this movie because a lot of people haven't seen it or a lot of people don't remember it. It's your turn to describe the film. I hope you'll do so honestly and be a um, Mrs. Doubtfire is a big believer. I'm looking through the quotes from the film and just a couple more fun, Perfect. fun facts about Mrs. Doubtfire. Mm-hmm. She's a believer in like the natural body movement. So like. Well- Yes, shave. She's got a Mediterranean look. There's a scene healthy, where she's the way God made her. shows her hairy legs on a bus, and a, a very progressive bus driver who is falling for her mm-hmm. says, "I like that. I like that Mediterranean-looking women. Huh. Natural. 
healthy. That's the way God made you. But he broke the mold when he made me, dear. He made me very special. He sure did. Mm-hmm. And it's good. Mm-hmm. How old uh, is that? Is that yeah. him? Yeah, it's Mr. Jenkins has arrived. <laughs> what is he doing? Did he open the door? He's like a yeah. ranger. <laughs> yeah. Clever girl. Mr. Jenkins has arrived. <laughs> he's so far uh, since we started recording, he's knocked the other cat's medicine off the okay. counter. Right. And now he's opened the door and he's just sitting there. Looking at you or looking away from you? I can't see him. He's hiding behind the he's hiding behind he's like sitting on the step. And he's allowed the other cat in. The other cat has arrived. Princess Cutie Face is here. Okay. And how is she holding up these days? She's doing good. She's got arthritis. She's the light of my life. I love her more than anybody I've ever known. Not even your son. I think that fact here's what I'll say. The fact that my son is a reasonable person to put in this conversation is the highest tribute I could give to my son. He's he's in he's the like, running. It's like worth considering. Right. Yes. That's you're not what I'll say. you're not willing to make a call either way, but he's right. like he's in he's the up there and it's like it's not a crazy conversation to have. Right. That's good for him. I'd love for you to describe this novel. Why do uh, I have to do it? Because I did it last time. Okay, I'm going to talk about every for way strangler things. Right. No, I don't want that. No, you already have. It's not fun for anyone. It's like people get it. <laughs> do you want me to describe the novel or not? Describe it and here's what. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you 70 seconds to describe the novel and then 10 seconds to 93 list... seconds. Okay. I'll give you the book, 93 The film to... the video not Fine. the radio it's a the radio re- novel, novel that go- no, it's a radio novel for the silver screen. Visual radio novel. It's a visual radio novel. That's what they call them in Japan. That's what they call them in Japan. And listen, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you 93 seconds. So we're going to have 80 seconds during which you describe this novel. Okay. And then 13 seconds that's like free form time. And during okay, those 13 seconds, me. you can be like Max Headroom or no, not Max Headroom. Who's the Oh, the Micro Machines guy. Oh, and yeah. as fast as you can, and we'll even speed it up. Yeah, just say all the problematic things, and maybe okay. I'll speed it up so fast that it's like hard to hear, so people don't have to fucking like just be bummed out. How's that sound? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna give you 80 seconds, and then no problematic stuff in the 80 seconds, and then I'll sing to you. I'm pulling up this Medium article called "The Pain of Revisiting Mrs. Doubtfire." No. Okay, but not for this part. Yeah. Ready? 80 seconds, and then I'll tell you when it's time to start to say the problematic shit real fast. Let me make sure I've got... Just You just literally just watched a movie. How hard is it to describe it? Pretty tough. <laughs> okay. Then I want to tell you some theories I have about the film. That'll be fun. Um, okay, I'm ready. Ready? Yep. On your marks, get set, go. All right, so Danny Hilliard is a bum... And he is a voice actor, and he's he gets fired on his first day, uh, last day at work. And then he goes and picks up his son. It's his son's birthday, and he goes home, and he has zoo animals there. And then uh, the neighbor calls uh, Sally Field, and Sally Field is like, comes home, and she's like, Danny, what are you doing? I uh, need a divorce. And they get divorced, and um, he's he's told that he can't have custody of his kids, and his kids are his life. And then he decides to. Um, 
pretend to be a lady called Mrs. Doubtfire, an old n- nanny lady, and applied <laughs> to be the kid's nanny, and they love her, and they, and she kind of is their nanny, and, and eventually the two older kids figure it out because the boy, uh, Joey Lawrence's little brother, sees him going bathroom uh, uh, ver- uh, vertically, and <laughs> they... Um, Sally Fields is also dating Thomas Crown Affair and um, is it's pretty challenging for Mrs. Deathfire who's actually Danny uh, Tamborelli and um, eventually uh, he gets too drunk at a restaurant and accidentally slips up and reveals that he's uh, their dad and time and then the 13 seconds yeah have that got or? 13 seconds to say the problematic things in the film go Okay, lots of inappropriate jokes, uh, a lot of pretty transphobic and sexist jokes as well, and then there's a lot of like weird like sex shaming kind of stuff happening. Um, and time. Great. There goes my hero. I'm on a website. I've gone to a website called thetilt.com. Okay. Tilt is spelled with a Y. Mm-hmm. And they have an article called, Is Mrs. Doubtfire Sexist and Transphobic? Perfect. That's, and they that have sounds like something that you'd love to fucking read. Yeah. They have a poll here where they've said, yeah. is Mrs. Doubtfire sexist and transphobic? He closed the door. 87. <laughs> Clever girl. He closed the door. How the fuck did he do that? 87.5% of the, the respondents in this poll uh-huh. said that it is not sexist okay. or transphobic. Well, there you go. There you go. So clearly I'm on uh, the right side of history. <laughs> <laughs> How did he close the door? That's pretty... That freaks me out that, that freaks, freaks my, my beat. beat yeah <laughs> that freaks um, my beat. i have a number of fan theories about this movie a lot okay. i have a lot of fan theories about this movie i have a, a a lot of intricate and extreme fan theories about this movie okay first i think we should talk about the divorce okay and then we'll go into the fan theories how's that uh-huh. sound uh-huh I want to take Sally Field's side in this film. Guess how old Sally Field was in this movie? Uh, 43. Now I can't remember. Okay, perfect. Okay, I would like to take Sally Field. No, don't Google it. We'll just live with that. We'll live inside that. Why? Let's not. Let's. Who cares? <laughs> 47. Can you okay. believe that? She yes. was 47. Yeah, she looked like she was in her like mid 40s. No, she looked like she looked and was was meant to be like she was in her mid thirties. She's a, a very attractive young lady. Now listen to me. Um, <laughs> Sally Fields divorces uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, aka um, Danny Hilliard, mm-hmm. and the reason Danny for this really. is that while she is at work trying to fucking uh, steal like the. A- Get a big interior design contract. Although the fact the kids are being punished and are not not allowed to have um, parties, parties because of some transgression that is un that described. His little brother did after quitting his job for a dumb reason. Which is yes. what are you doing? You're reading the IMDb page for Sally Fields. I can tell that you're not looking paying attention. at you. Literally no. looking at you. No, you, waiting like, for you to finish whatever sentence you're about to. You know to how say. newscasters like when they're bad at reading the teleprompter, you can see their eyes moving back and forth. That's what you're doing. You're trying to read my face. <laughs> is that what's happening? <laughs> and say what you're doing. Actually, doing. Looking at you. 
Okay, fine. Well, stop looking at me and I'm, start painting. And now me. I'm just trying to aggravate you by moving my <laughs> eyes around an empty screen. You're like the Mona Lisa. Listen, um, <laughs> fucking, he he quits his job and then like picks up the kids and is like, we're going to have a party, an impromptu party at the house. And somehow within the hour hires a petting zoo? Yeah. And, and he's like, like broke. They set a bunch of animals free on the lawn, and the cops arrive, and when Sally Fields gets home, the kids are listening to House of Pain, which is inappropriate. Having a birthday in the house. What the hell is going on around here? Don't get mad, honey. Okay. For that age. Like swears? Yeah, jump around. That's That sentiment. Jump up, jump up, and get down. It's not something that kids should be exposed to right and there's a horse in the house there's a horse in the house and (laughs) and they've intentionally in a way that feels cruel or at least irresponsible yeah danny says that they've given it lots of water when sally fields reaches under its penis to unplug the stereo system yeah he says watch out careful it's had lots of water yeah so that's not a good house that's not good. And she's like... When it's she's illegal. Like, this has been building up for 15 years, and now, like, th- this is the last straw. And it's right. And she she does divorce him. And they don't get back together at the end of the movie. I feel like that farm guy should have known it was illegal to bring farm animals into... The San petting Francisco. zoo guy just shows up and leaves the animals at their house and then leaves. <laughs> I didn't know that was allowed. It shouldn't be. So I've got... We had a petting zoo at our office once years ago. Oh yeah, I made a big fuss about it. Yeah, it was a Mr. real Jack. issue. Do you remember? There, there goes my <laughs> hero. Watch him as he goes. I don't know if we've told this story on the show before, but it's like kind of a funny story. Like the office manager, who's a very nice person who I liked very much, decided to get a um, like a mini, mini horse. Pony. It was like right when Parks and Rec was like yeah, it was like up a their thing. butts about like a mini pony, and I was very it was Valentine's Day upset about it because of animal rights. Yeah, and f- I felt that the horse was being mistreated, but I didn't want like it had already happened, and I didn't want our office manager to feel bad. But she kept coming over to me and being like, because I love animals, she was like, Jack, what are you doing? You're just sitting at your desk like, you've got to come and interact with and like take pictures with this mini horse. Like you're the person who's like going to love this the most. And eventually our friend Matt saved us and he was like, Jack's allergic to horses. That's a good way to get out of any situation. <laughs> That's what Thomas Crown says to avoid eating Thomas spicy food. Yeah. In this movie, in this uh, visual radio novel that we read. Listen, I have a number of fan theories about this book, and I want to run you through all of them. I've got I one. I forgot a thing that was problematic. Two. We're done with that. You had your chance. It's over. L- Mr. Lundy, like, saying, oh, does your friend have, like, a girlfriend who can, uh, who I can do sex with remember that scene are you wearing lipstick yeah why rubbed off <laughs> from home girl i used to date she's a waitress waitress yeah. yeah oh yeah on the way to the bathroom couldn't keep her hands off me 
Yeah, there. Um, there's a scene in the 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 movie culminates when they go to a, a fancy restaurant and Mrs. Doubtfire Paul and Robin Bridges. Williams have to both coexist in the restaurant. And like one of them is meeting with this guy who's going to give him a TV show, and the other is being Mrs. Doubtfire with the family. The guy who's giving him a TV show asks him if. Um, why are we talking about this? Like he's he explains his lipstick away by saying that he met a girl in that was like an old girlfriend and made out with her and got her lipstick. And yeah. then the guy was like, Does she have a friend? And this is like really fucking like got your hackles up when you've written a fucking pompous letter to salon.com about it, apparently. And and well, let's hear it. The, here, they here asked my hero. they they reached here out goes to my me. hero. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, We've been saving a slot for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On salon.com. <laughs> <laughs> and it really just that you won't stand for this it's type tough. of stuff, will it's you? Tough. And then in 1993, will you? It's challenging. Oh, no, that's tough. Nine year old Tanner, he no. would not stand for this. <laughs> Front of the picket line. Listen, here's what I think we should do we'll take a break, and then I'm going to fucking spend the entire rest of the show telling you my fan theories about it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Bye. And now, a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Um, a dilly dilly, my lord. <laughs> oh, hey, it's Evil Jack here. I was just workshopping some of the most evil ways to start an ad spot. Evil Tanner couldn't make it today because he's busy trying to break his previous record for how many people he can tell that they should smile more in a 24-hour period. I just wanted to give you an update on our uh, evil company, Better help, uh, where we help evil betters to um, make small, lucrative bets on extremely wicked outcomes. Uh, like, for instance, I bet that I can accidentally put my own bag on the weighing area of your self-checkout at the grocery store, so you have to call someone over to make the machine work again. Well, basically, since you asked, it's going uh, pretty badly. Um, because apparently the name of our company sounds too much like the name of our sponsor, BetterHelp. See, it's pronounced completely differently. They're online therapy that will uh, pair you with a licensed therapist in no time at all. Um, and in addition to not even really sounding the same as our evil company, BetterHelp is easy to use, it's entirely online, and they are super flexible, so it's no problem to fit them into your own schedule, which is completely the opposite of how we do it. Anyway, everyone's saying that we shouldn't use the name, which causes me grief, anxiety, self-esteem, and LGBT matters. And to make matters worse, um, I can't even get therapy for this stuff because I don't believe that men need therapy because I'm evil. If you're ready uh, to give online therapy a try, though, all you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Bedfellows today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Bedfellows. Bedfellows. 
Okay, here's where I talk about Mrs. Doubtfire fan theories, and I've got a lot of them, and I I would like for you to uh, engage with me on this topic, and I've got a ton, and let's start with uh, the easiest one. Ready? Yep. Stu is daddy. Stu is daddy. Don't know what that means. Okay, there's a man in this movie. His name is Thomas Crown Affair, and he is... Mm. Uh, Pierce Brosnan, and he is pretty nice. And here's my theory. He's the daddy he of the nice. kids. There's a moment yeah. in the film yeah. where Mrs. Doubtfire is sitting at a pool bar. Mm-hmm. And Stu comes up and talks to another gentleman, an associate of his, yeah. up here. And you think it's going to be like, and this is where... you think he's going to be mean. This is where like Mrs. Doubtfire is going to get evidence that like mommy's new boyfriend is an asshole. Because he's going to yeah. be like, oh, I'm just trying to fucking like hit it and quit the, it, baby. The associate is like, uh, Stu uh, with a woman with kids? Yeah. Now I've seen everything. And Stu turns to him and says, those kids are angels. She's got an awful lot of baggage, though. Three kids. Three terrific kids. And I'm crazy about them. Especially that little Natalie. Look at her. She's a sweetie pie. Yeah. They're the light of my lives. Yeah. Lights of my life. I especially love the um, the... Youngest one. Matilda. Matilda from uh, Merrill Wilson. Matilda. And why would you say that unless you were daddy? He's daddy. You he's daddy of the, the kids. Oh, because Sally Field went to college with him. Yeah, she went to college with him. And then when they first meet, he shows up because he's like a um, – he's a – The oldest one, Liddy, is maybe 14. Yeah. So you're saying that Sally Field finished college – 14 years and nine months ago, or was in college 14 years and nine months ago. But we've already established that she's 47. I'm not making a claim. She goes to college a little later in life. I think that, A, it's 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 possible and even common for people to go to college later in life. Yeah, I'm not and saying it's not. B, You're the one who's saying it's not. Well, let me make another claim. It's possible to meet someone in college and then fuck them later. <laughs> I mean, I don't have any personal experience with that. <laughs> okay. But I, I suppose I could see how it could so, happen. Stop trying to poke holes in my theory before I even fucking lay it out for you. Okay. Stu is daddy. <laughs> when he first meets her in the film, he's Stu is like, daddy, more like a thick soup. That's what Robin Williams says. And now who's a good improviser? Stu. That's more of a thick soup than a name, really. <laughs> Me? Okay. That's off the cuff. Listen, I haven't. I wanted to tell you this. <laughs> Stu is like a real estate developer, and he wants to develop a big mansion property, whatever. In San Francisco. And they all he, live in San Francisco, and they're all fucking rich. And she's they live an in, in like a very nice part of it. She's an interior designer, and the, the movie starts with like her boss being like, holy shit, this guy's Stu. He's like a big noise, and he's specifically requested you. And she's like, oh, Stu, holy shit, we knew each other in college, whatever. And then fucking he shows up. And when they have a meeting, he's so handsome, and he's so hashtag so he swoon. Very handsome. Yeah, and he's very hashtag swoon. And here's what so he says: horny. He says to her, "You realize I've been following your career and the trades these past couple of years. I'd love to get reacquainted." Okay. So they've no, they've seen each other within the last couple of years. Well, no, I think specifically they haven't. No, they have. He has to follow her in the trades. Okay, starting a couple of years ago, though. Oh, okay. You're, I get it. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. 
since so, so they haven't seen each other for ago. two years. Right, and then ever since they last saw one another, he has had to resort to following her in the trades. Right, the interior design trades. Yes, yes, and the trades. You did your research. I assume you know what the trades are. The trades are like real estate industry publications. Okay, and they are called trades. is a is a term for like if you get graphic novels, you can get them as like a, like a little thin one, or you could get them as like a like a like a cool thick one Trade that has a bunch of them in it's them. Got like six. Yeah, and so they do that for real estate. <laughs> and it's it's like superhero graphic novels of real estate. Yeah, hmm. you should that know this. That doesn't sound very. <laughs> You should know this. It's real estate stuff. Sometimes when we record, and I know you're sitting in your laundry room. Okay. So it doesn't surprise me. Mm-hmm. But sometimes when we record, there's a dress hung on the wall behind you in such yeah. a way that it makes it look like there's a- A ghostly a person? Ghost lady. Well, this is a perfect segue. That is scary. This is a perfect segue into my next theory, which is the Mrs. Doubtfire Sixth Sense theory. Okay. And I haven't seen the film. And I'm, please, no spoilers. Okay. No, no. I'm not going to spoil Sixth Sense. I wouldn't. Yeah. I couldn't. Right. But. That's a babysitting movie. What if when Mrs. Doubtfire, a.k.a. Robin Williams, quits his job at the beginning of this film, he dies of a heart attack right then and there. Okay. What's that have to do with Sixth Sense? Just forget that I said I haven't it. seen the film. <laughs> forget it. Forget that aspect of it. Okay. But then. He's not actually in this. No one can see him because he's a ghost. This is in ghost this movie. dad. It's ghost. Dad, the ghost dad theory. <laughs> ghost dad theory. Yeah. He's not really in this. So that's why when. Oh, don't get me started on problematic films. <laughs> I don't want to talk to you ghost about dad. ghost dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, Jamie, clear my schedule. <laughs> She's not my secretary. Is she She's asleep? Yeah. And she is asleep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Probably woke her up. She's sleeping on the couch. Listen, Jamie is me. I like to fall asleep on the couch. That's what I like. Yeah. Jamie, we call it Sleepy Jamie. Yeah. I call it Sleepy Jack. Yeah. That's me. I like that. I will sit up. If I'm up there with her, I will sit up. And um, she texted me and said, did you call my name? Nope. Leave her alone. Back to sleep. Go back to sleep. I love you. Um, Listen, Jamie will, if I'm up no, there, that's not what we're talking we'll about. watch TV and she'll fall asleep in the couch next to me. Mm-hmm. Honestly, she's going to object to this, but I would say starting at about 8.30 p.m. Yeah, probably. That's when the window but opens. But this is, think about, you've talked about this. There's a thing that's like where you, like, you want to postpone the day from oh, ending. Um, what is it? It's retaliatory. Like insomnia or something like that. Yeah, you came up. You had some fucking big fancy name for it, but I have this, and but my version of it is is involves going to sleep on the couch because if I sleep on the couch, I'm still having a day. Right. I'm not. I'm just like my day is still happening. Like the part of my day that's nice where I don't have any obligations is still happening. I'm just taking a nap on the couch. I haven't yeah, yeah, gone yeah. to bed yet. That makes sense to me, except I don't do I don't fall asleep on the couch. Yeah. Because I'm too busy having the fucking time of my life. Playing video games. Playing video games. Yeah. Watching YouTube videos. <laughs> yeah. You know? So this is why when they show Man up stuff. When they show up at um 
the house, when um, Sally Field shows up at the house, there's a cop outside who's just standing there, like documenting the animals. Right? It's your residence, ma'am? Yes. Sorry to say it is. Are you aware that it's illegal to possess animals of a barnyard nature in a residential area, ma'am? What if you married the one? Yeah. Then the animals are running wild. Yep. Robin Williams isn't really there. Later in the movie, Sally Field shows up at, quote unquote, Robin Williams' apartment where the kids are, like for their one day of custody. And she picks up the Chinese food and she smells it and she makes this face like it's like rotten. Oh, yeah. He's feeding, he's feeding his kids rotten Chinese no, food. No, the food oh, it's is rotten because he's not there. there. Right. There is no Robin Williams. Later in in their home, everything in the house gets burned and destroyed. The pots like start boiling over and like shit gets set on fire. That's what would happen if the kids like if Sally Field had to go to an important job and leave the kids by themselves. There is no Mrs. Doubtfire. I'm trying to think of all the characters I saw interact with Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. And what I'm realizing now is I only saw Sally Field right. interact with it. And I'm thinking now it's not a ghost dad scenario. It's a fight club scenario. It's fight club. Exactly. It's fight club. And think about this. So later... Uh, Mrs. D- the Mrs. Doubtfire character in the, the like the way the movie presents it, it's that Robin Williams gets a job being like kind of a Mr. Rogers type TV presenter right. as Mrs. Doubtfire. Right. And so yeah. the end of the movie, like they're all they're they're all watching the TV and they see her on the TV. That's who Sally Fields is talking to this whole time. She's the like character. she's using this TV show that's Mrs. Doubtfire. To babysit her kids because she's like a single mom. Her husband recently died of a heart attack. And that's who she's like like created this character for. This fan theory of yours is like begging for like a a trailer remix, you know? Like someone needs to do. Do people still do that? I'll do it. I'll do it. Okay. I love Trailer remix where it's a psychological thriller written by Chuck Papello. Palaniac or Palaniac, and nobody knows. Pike. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's how Cyril says shit when he doesn't know how to say it. I'll just be like, oh, <laughs> um, that Can someone do that? Yeah. Please? Please. God, we all used to be so creative, and we also used, all used to try. Yeah, we tried a little bit, didn't we? Instead of fucking and just looking at enough. listening to fucking sea shanties on TikTok, we would make something <laughs> ourselves, wouldn't we? <laughs> Can I tell you my third uh, uh, fan theory for Mrs. Doubtfire? What was the first one? First one was um, Stu is Daddy. Yes, okay, yes. Second one is, I'm going to rename it Mrs. Doubtfire Fight Club. Mrs. Doubt Fight Club. That's good, because I haven't seen Six Sense and I don't want any spoilers. Okay. Here's my third fan theory. You ready for this? Yeah. The events of Mrs. Doubtfire take place following a major biological weapons attack on the United States. Okay. I'm trying to think of any evidence to support that. Okay. Would you like me to try to give you some? Yeah. It's why everyone's acting so fucking weird. Every Tell me that everyone is not acting fucking weird in this movie. They're bananas. They're off the fucking 
charts with how they're acting. Uh, Sally Fields is like even uh, assuming that she thinks that this man who looks this woman who looks exactly like her husband yeah. <laughs> is the nanny. Yeah. She's constantly like allowing this nanny to give her like insane life advice. Like you shouldn't have sex. Oh, and, like, and, like talk about sex. How long after Mr. Doubtfire passed away, Winston, Winston did you feel any desire? Never. Never. Never again. Never again? Once the father of your children is out of the picture, the only solution is total and lifelong celibacy. Celibacy? Yes. It's really fucked. And, like, the nanny is, like, Mrs. Delphire is, like, unbelievably rude to uh, Thomas Crown Affair. And, and, like, tells him he has a small penis a number of times. Well, and that's that's so tricky. He tries to, yeah, it's, he t- she tells him he has a small penis, which is fine. <laughs> Can you help me with something? I found this outside. Uh, yes, this is off my uh, Mercedes. Off your Mercedes, dear. You own that big, expensive car out there. Oh, dear. Well, they say a man who has to buy a big car like that's trying to compensate for smaller genitals, is he? And if that's your thing, if your thing is having a small penis, fine. We're not here to yuck any yums. Okay. Here's the thing that's weird about Thomas Crown Affair. Mrs. Doubtfire literally tries to kill him at the end of the film. Right. And at the end of the film... Mrs. Doubtfire puts, like, cayenne pepper on the shrimp, and he almost chokes on it. And Mrs. Doubtfire then saves his life by doing Heimlich very poorly. Yeah. And then after that, Mrs. Doubtfire says to Thomas Crown Affair, sorry for almost killing you, and they just shake hands. Yeah. It's wild. Nobody's acting normally. At one point, Mrs. Doubtfire throws an apple at the back of Thomas Crown Affair's head and hit beans him. Just beans him. Yeah. That would hurt. Fuck yeah. It's and she, wild. And he turns around and she says, oh, it was a drive-by fruiting. <laughs> yeah. oh, I forgot a bit I was going to do at the top of the episode. I was going to go, hello. <laughs> I wish you had. <laughs> um, and, and Thomas Crown Affair, instead of investigating, yeah. just turns around and goes back. Like he's like, a, he's like an NPC in a video game. Yeah. Where it's like, if it's not scripted, he doesn't yeah. know what to do. But that's not even the craziest reaction that happens in this movie. The craziest reaction that happens in the in this movie that proves that everyone in this film has been like affected by a major biological weapons attack is um, prototype Mrs. Landingham from the West Wing, who's actually from the American president, is in this film. Yeah, which is essentially like a pilot for the West Wing. Yeah, and the <laughs> woman who plays Mrs. Landingham in the American president Yep. is in this movie and she's a social worker. Yeah. There's a scene in this film where she's gone over to Robin Williams' house and he's having to like be Mrs. Doubtfire and himself all at once. Well, it's not Mrs. Doubtfire. Right. It's Mrs. Hillard. It's Mrs. Hillard. He's pretending to his be his sister. Sis- own sister. At, at one point, he's like wearing the dress and everything, but has not got the face on. Yep. And Mrs. Landingham wants a cup of tea. And just a weird demand. It's weird. That's already weird. And the way that he deals with it is he opens the refrigerator, puts his face in a cake, and then pretends he has a face mask. A meringue face mask. And while he's talking to her, the face mask keeps dripping into the tea. Like blopping down. 
in a really gross way. This is my nightly meringue mask, part of my beauty regimen. What it is is basically egg whites, creme fraiche, powdered sugar, vanilla, and a little touch of alum. There you go, dear. Oh, there you go. You've got your cream and your sugar now. It's a little cappuccino. One drop or two. Would you like another one? Oh, there you go. <laughs> oh, as you can see, I can't stay with you, dear. I'm melting like a snow cone in Phoenix. The way that she reacts to this is that she drinks the tea. Yeah. And takes on her finger some of the dripping face mask, puts it on her face to test if it, like, works on her face, and yeah. then also tastes it. Yeah. That is an, a completely, like, you you are so What was far this theory removed. again? The events of Mrs. Doubtfire take place following a major biological weapons attack on the United States. I don't think, <laughs> I think everyone has gone- this. I will say this. I have lived and am am living through a global (laughs) pandemic. And I don't think if at at this point in time, my instinct would ever be to eat the frosting off of. But if your brain was had been eaten by like a chemically produced like fungus from an enemy of the state. It's whatever that disease that like bacteria that makes you like cats. Yeah, exactly. It's that, except like weaponized and on like a devastating scale. Okay, I've got two more little pieces of evidence for this. Ready? Yep. First involves understanding something about the Nash equilibrium. Okay, and I and understand g- everything about that. So okay, well, shall I say it for listeners, or do you probably okay, these, or do you want to these dullards? You know. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'll do it. In game theory, the do Nash. Do you want me to, or do you want to? I'll let you. you. I'll no, let you do it. You go ahead. No, nah, I'll let you. I'll you. Okay. In game theory, the Nash equilibrium is the most common way to define the solution of a non-cooperative game involving two or more players. In a Nash equilibrium, each player is assumed to know the equilibrium strategies of the other players, and no player has anything to gain by changing only his own strategy. It is the basis for something you are probably familiar with called mutually assured destruction. Mm -hmm. The idea that if we all amass nuclear weapons or biological weapons and everybody gets it, no one's going to use them. Right. Right? It's a theory yeah. that I'm uniquely talented at right. upending. Yeah. You're... When, when one plays games with me, yeah, one can... will often be frustrated <laughs> by my total lack erratic of action to yeah. winning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My erratic action and what I call... My um the the kingmaker strategy. Oh, where you'll just make somebody else win. Which is where God, when I've recognized that I'm not winning, what yeah. I will do is look around the room, decide who I want to win, and then just scorched earth everyone else. <laughs> it's good. My strategy shifts from trying to win myself to, to win for trying to keep else. you from winning. <laughs> okay, well that's not what's happening in this movie. The, another way of describing the theory of mutually assured destruction, Tanner, mm-hmm. is as an idea whereby if you have sufficient doubt that the enemy will fire, that is the best way to ensure that they will miss. If you doubt that they will fire, the attack misses. Misses. Oh, I don't understand that one because like, a lot of people fire, fire. and get hit. Misses. Doubt Fire. Uh, this is doubt fire. Okay. So that one wasn't actually about the theory. It was just about the pun. Mrs. Doubt 
fire. Right. Finally, Tanner, at the 55-minute mark of this film, Mrs. Doubtfire sets the kitchen on fire, and uh, it looks like it's going to go badly. And what she does instead of uh, making dinner is she orders a very fancy meal from an Italian restaurant called Valenti's. Mm-hmm. And uh, with the intention of serving it as her own um, creation, yep. Which the Valenti's does. man shows up. The delivery That's man shows he executes up on flawlessly. Yeah, and he tells her that the meal is going to cost her one hundred and thirty-five dollars and twenty-seven cents. Hey, here's your food. How much do I owe you? One thirty-five twenty-seven. Right, and as and we know, it's. Uh, Luke one thirty four. It's a moment of shock. No, this is not a Bible verse, Tanner. But what do the numbers one three five two seven mean to you? Zip code. Check it out. Check it out on Google. You want me to Google something? Yeah. All around me, I feel. Wait. Do 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 Tanner Google's. I forgot the numbers. One three five two seven. Gene result. No. DTNA. No, that's a false flag. Distro, that's a false flag. Yeah. Okay. Executive order 13527. Yeah, click on that. See what that is. Oh, it's on ObamaWhiteHouse.archives.gov. What is it? Executive order 13527. And then they've used two <laughs> N dashes here. It's actually two hyphens to create. Oh, is that two hyphens? Uh, to create the appearance of an M dash. Yeah. Okay. Medical countermeasures following a biological attack. Subhead establishing federal capability for the timely provision of medical countermeasures following a biological attack. What do you think about that as evidence from my theory, Tanner? It's tough. (laughs) It's tough to think about. What do you think about EO? This this dude. (laughs) This dude did this as an executive order. What did he know? He'd seen Mrs. Doubtfire. He'd seen Mrs. Doubtfire. He loves it. It's his favorite film. <laughs> He'd seen it, and he was worried about mutually assured destruction. Wow. Wow. United States Postal Service delivery of medical counter... This guy, what is? what does he know? <laughs> you know? <sighs> okay. I rest my case. Your case rested. Yeah. Uh, Sign sealed, delivered. I'm yours. Can I do a segment? Yeah, I'd love a segment for you. Yeah, let's ha- let's have one for you. I've been talking a lot. I would love to do a segment. Yeah, if I can. Mm-hmm. Here's a segment. Yeah, let's hear it. It's called me like a debunky. And it's about debunky, and Anne and Martin is is a big fan of debunky, and she writes, um, "This is to debunky." Right now, it's beginning um, of some of her books. It's eight days from now. It's a Saturday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Jack is editing this episode, and yeah. he's busily trying to figure out what the Segment audio music. drop for me like a debunky was and yeah. then like dig through the archives to yeah. to find it somewhere he's not happy folder. he's not no, looking he's, he's happy. pissed he's yeah. looking pissed yeah because he he's looking at the like he's like i've just done an hour of this episode and there's like 10 minutes left we're almost out yeah we're almost out and now i'm doing some fucking real bullshit. like you've literally you've turned to sarah and you're like i'll be done in 15 minutes yeah <laughs> yeah yeah but now this has really slowed you down huh yeah 
Mm-hmm. Mrs. Doubtfire does, as you know, me like a debunky is our segment about sexual well-being. Debunky. Sexual, progressive sexual politics. Yep. And then just doing really good, fun, awesome sex. Knocking the boots. Or as um, Robin Williams says, maybe this is where you're... Uh... Well, and this is this is my point is I yeah. think th- there's uh, Robin Williams has offered some rebranding yes. options here. Mm-hmm. We obviously refer to it as debonkey. We call it debonkey. Yeah, Mrs. Doubtfire refers to it as sinking the sub, mm-hmm. hiding the weasel, mm-hmm. parking the porpoise, <laughs> a bit of the old Humpty Dumpty, little Jack Horny, and that's you. <laughs> The horizontal mambo, yeah. the bone dancer—that's me. <laughs> Rumple foreskin, the balloon. Rumple foreskin is funny. I miss that. And a bit of the old cunning ling- linguistics. Wow, a lot of very fun, a lot of fun ways of talking about it. Very penis centric. Well, it is for the most part. Well, Okay, <laughs> I'm glad you noticed, Jack. Yeah. There goes my hero. Watch him as he goes. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And yes, I'm. I'm finally someone said it. Yeah. It is oh, all. Very oh, great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like this. I like this movie. Fucking uh, a, a little bit too phallocentric for me. But <laughs> <laughs> can I introduce another segment? You want to introduce another one? Well, I just want to say briefly before we leave this segment, uh, Park the Porpoise is what the Baby Nation did, isn't it? They parked it in six feet underground. Yeah. <laughs> and they killed it with their yeah. Yeah. indifference or yeah. uh, dare I say negligence. Forgive, ever forgive them. Um, yeah. and, and yes, please do introduce another segment. Here's the thing about this segment. Okay. That was tough on that you. That was tough. Future yeah. Jack. Yeah. Finding debunky music, figuring yeah. out what the thing was. There. I probably was there have to create a, a whole new debunky. Was there music even a thing too? there? I don't remember. Yeah, Sarah says you said you were going to be done in fifteen minutes. Yeah, fifteen minutes ago, and now you're like, well, I'll be done in fifteen minutes now. <laughs> Except, I have another segment. Yeah, okay. Let's call dinosaur energy to Jurassic Park. Okay, we don't have segment music for Big that. Big dinosaur energy. Perfect. And then, so what am I doing? I'm probably looking for um, segment music for that right now. Making it or... Yeah. 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 Swing on fiber. Perfect. They do move and hurt. Big dinosaur energy is the thing we talk about. And this take movie five, has Take dinosaur five million, you're dead. Energy. What's that? Take five. Okay. Take five million. You're dead. And what's that? That's what uh, Danny Tamborelli says to the dinosaurs. Is it really Danny Tamborelli? No. Yep. His name is Danny Hillard. Hillard, which is nothing like Danny Tamborelli. And Danny Tamborelli is a guy who happened to play Jackie Rudelski in the movie. Okay. My friend. I gotcha. My yep. friend. Well, and the guy My we friend. met at a meme party once. Well, and we were co-hosts at another meme party once. Okay, fine. Coach, uh, we were both judges at a meme costume. I dressed as business cat. Yeah. There's a picture. If anyone wants it, you can I have dress it. this hover hand. If you want a picture of me as business cat and you a picture of Tanner as hover hand, ask in the in the Baby Nation Facebook group. Do you remember that hover and hand we costume? We will give it to you. But you must ask. 
Do you remember that Hoverhand costume? Yeah, it was fucking amazing. It was brilliant. So was my business cat costume. The Hoverhand costume was one of the, the most impressive things I've ever pulled off. Yeah, it was life. brilliant. Yeah. I had a mannequin hand. <laughs> <laughs> Baby Nation, every year in the New York media circles, 10 years ago, there was a party called Hollow Meme where 15 everyone years addresses ago. memes. Yeah. And Jack and I went every year, and our, our, the friend of ours, Lindsay Weber from Who Weekly, put it on. Yeah. And every year you had to dress as a meme, and every year I failed to do it. Failed the to first year, it. here's all you need to know about how long ago this was. The first Hollow Meme party I went to, I dressed as the Twitter fail whale. Yeah. <laughs> I dressed as Quop. By which I mean um, I wore a Twitter fail whale shirt. I always failed to consider my costume until the day of, and I had a mannequin hand sitting on my desk, and I rigged up the mannequin hand so it was hovering about three inches above Very my shoulder. Very good. Yeah. It was cool. What was the point of this? I don't know, man. It's dinosaur energy, I guess. Take five, take five million, you're dead. Yeah, what's that? That's a fucking wild thing to say to someone. Who says it? Bruce, Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis. The guy. The guy. Danny Tamborelli. Robin Williams in this movie. Yes. Yes, perfect. I always want to say his name is Bruce yeah. Willis. Okay. He says that, and he says it He says him. he's interacting with these dinosaurs. He's playing with dinosaurs. He yeah. doesn't think he's being watched. He's yeah. doing a whole shtick. The raptor does a rap. It's, it's how he ends up getting this cool show. Yeah. Challenging. And then he The raptor does says, a rap, and it's challenging, and there goes my hero. <laughs> he says, take five. Take five million. You're dead. Yeah. And that's a fucking fucked up thing to say to someone. Yeah, especially when and they're about to get hit with a meteor. Yeah, okay. Right? That, that's the kind of shit. That's the kind of shit that like the kind of burns that dinosaurs are doing. That's like some Joker shit. Yeah. No, it's fucked. Take five million, you're dead. What's the implication that you're go- going to be gone for five million years? He's saying, "Hey, take five minutes. This is a five minute break. Oh yeah. wait, actually, it's a five million minute break because you're fucking dead. Because an asteroid's going to hit you." How many, how many years is five million? Five million minutes in years. Oh, five million minutes. Nine years. Oh, that's not a long time. <laughs> that's half. Of, just saying. That's half saying of the take, amount of time we've been doing this podcast. Take I nine mean, and a half years. Twice off. the amount of time we've been doing this podcast. Yeah. It will be half the amount of time we've yeah. done the podcast before one of us dies prematurely <laughs> so that's dinosaur energy and it uh the film is 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 super focused on this idea of an extinction event which makes sense because it uh, the events of mrs doubtfire in case you uh, weren't paying attention do take place following a major biological weapons attack on the united states <sighs> Burns, and let's talk about Burns. Like, captured a few. This movie is actually full of Burns. Yeah, it's it's burn heavy. It's yeah. all Burns. Yeah. You know a lot of that's improv? That's just Robin Williams riffing, man. Yeah, I don't... <laughs> oh, the part where he was doing an impression of, like, <laughs> some old-timey TV show that no one's ever heard of? <laughs> oh! <gasps> Did you hear the part where he was doing a Ronald Reagan impression? So good, I almost died. It's Jack. fucking ninety three, and it is funny to do a Reagan impression in ninety three. You just, 
just forget it. I'm not, like, I'm not even like a Robin Williams stan. I like, I think he's great, but the the position you appear to be staking out for yourself that Robin Williams is a not funny and b a bad improviser is just it, like there's not an audience for it. <laughs> I, I'm I'm making an audience for it. Fine, let's hear your burn. It's Mrs. Lanningham. Okay. Mr. Hillard, do you consider yourself humorous? Yeah. <laughs> and Daniel Hillard says, I used to. <laughs> yeah. There was a time when I found myself funny. But today, you have proven me wrong. Thank you. <laughs> That's funny. Thank you. And I'm Mrs. Lanningham. Yeah, you're Mrs. Lanningham. And it's not actually Mrs. Lanningham. It's prototype Mrs. Lanningham. Mrs. She's in... Selinger. Yeah. Or whatever. She's uh, she's in the American president. Um, okay, I've got, here's one. <laughs> this is what Robin Williams says to, um, like, the honestly, the Pierce Brosnan character in this movie is like, you expect him Can to Can I guess like, what he says? Can I guess what he says? What? He says, we've come here looking for intelligent life. Oops, there is none. <laughs> That's one of the impressions he does. Don't. You're not. No one. No one likes your anti Robin Williams <laughs> thing. It's just like you're like Tanner's one man show about how Robin Williams actually wasn't funny is has zero, zero people in the audience. This movie is not funny. Robin Williams is a beloved improv actor. Yeah, partially because of this great movie. Listen, um, here's my burn. So. Um, Thomas Crown Affair is actually really nice in this movie. You keep expecting him to do a heel turn, but he never does. He's just like yep. a nice and handsome boyfriend for Sally Fields. Yep. yep. And um, is it Sally Field or Sally Fields? Nobody knows. Nobody can say. Nobody knows. Yep. Um, Thomas Crown Affair does this like huge, like big triple flip diving dive into the pool at a pool party. And he looks great. And as he's about to dive... Mrs. Doubtfire says to the kids, Look, Natty, that's called liposuction. That's funny. That's a burn. That's just a bonus burn. Okay. And then he gets out of the pool and he's like glistening. You think he's had liposuction? No. He's glistening and he looks good and he he like saunters over and Sally Fields is like all a flutter. And then Mrs. Doubtfire pointedly looks at his uh, Speedo. His bing bong. and, And says... Oh, by the looks of you, that water's so cold. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. The, the implication being what there? <laughs> that it's cold out, I guess. Yeah. It doesn't seem cold. They're like outside and they're swimming and... Yeah, but like it, he looks like it must be I cold. Northern California. And then the daughter, Mara Wilson, says uh, to... Matilda. Pierce Brosnan. Your tummy looks different from my daddy's. <laughs> right. And that's a burn, too. <laughs> and that's a burn, too. Because uh, Ryan Williams is, um, well, he calls himself short, round, and fuzzy, I think, at one point. Yeah. Or, uh, sorry, Mrs. Doubtfire does. Mrs. Doubtfire calls Robin Williams. It's complicated, and I do have a fan theory that's a final theory, which is that Mrs. Doubtfire and Robin Williams are actually two different people in this movie. And it's a better way to understand the film. Okay. I think, I, I actually don't know if anyone would argue with that. But it's not the same. It's like Robin Williams is like a beloved character actor who yeah. 
starred in this film. And, and Mrs. I don't Delphire. think anyone would say that he was Mrs. Doubtfire. I think Mrs. Doubtfire is a character. Oh, sorry. that Mr. Hillard. Okay. Mr. Yeah, Danny Tamborelli. Danny H- Hillard and Mrs. Doubtfire. Danny Tamborelli, sorry. And Mrs. Doubtfire are two different ca- people in this film. Okay. And doesn't it make the movie more interesting? If they were actually two different people. Yeah. It sort of takes the punch out of the ending. <laughs> because what that means is like Mr. the Danny Hillard didn't learn anything. But think about it. And didn't grow. I know, but it's it's an interesting movie. Where, right. so but it if, also means that like if you think about it as different Mrs. people, Mrs. is a pretty interesting character. Let's play it out. If you think about it as different people, it's a movie about the beginning of the movie, a man loses his job and gets a divorce. Then the middle of the movie, his ex-wife hires a weird housekeeper. Yeah. And then at the end of the movie, the man gets a new job. It's kind of a little bit avant-garde. And like and never the twain shall meet. It's like French cinema. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like two vignettes. It's like it's like it's like two characters in search of an author, right? P- Luigi yeah. P- Pirandello. Oh, uh, you want to talk about Luigi? <laughs> yes. Let's sure. talk about Luigi. Okay. Not my uh, favorite. He's a famous Italian Mario Kart player, character. I think probably okay. in modern Mario Kart. I think we're Tanuki at cross Mario. purposes. He's a fl- famous Italian playwright who wrote six characters in search of an author. I don't know the actual number. Two, Mrs. Doubtfire. And- well, in this case, it's two, and think about it. And that's the, the the screenplay that this film was based on. But a lot of it is improv. <laughs> yeah, Did you know that. <laughs> yeah, some of the scenes that were improvised. I know this from IMDb. The scene where Mrs. Doubtfire's cake face mask is dripping into the tea, that was improvised. It was actually kind of funny. It was very funny, but like apparently, like the lights on set melted the cake, and that whole scene. Was improvised. That scene was funny. Fine. Yeah. I just don't like impressions. How about that? Wow. Okay. Now we're learning. I think it's probably time for us to leave. Fine. Is there anything else you want to... Oh, can I pitch something to you? Pitch? Pitch something to you. Fine. You and I write this. We write it together. Ready? What? The it's... film? I'm about to say what it is. This film? No. Listen to me. What are you? Go- you're googling something. I need you to stop. I'm seeing how much a, a Dreamcast costs on eBay, so I can convince you to play Seaman for an upcoming episode. I like that idea, and I'm I'm down to one hundred and twenty dollars. Great, let's Still do it. Like it? Yeah, let's do it. Seaman is a thing where you babysit a thing. <laughs> That's a game. Yeah, people don't know that. Listen, um, you and I write this. Okay, it's called the League of Extraordinary Babysitters. It's a trade. You think Alan Moore will come after us? No, it's a it's a fucking graphic novel. Uh, I mean that it's gonna help Alan Moore's case if anything. <laughs> Alan Moore's too busy like being like a weird like fucking. No, he like, loves this shit. <laughs> <laughs> he loves like suing people. <laughs> he loves being litigious. <laughs> yeah, it's called the League of Extraordinary Babysitters. I haven't quite figured out what the thing is, but like some cosmic baby has arrived and needs to be sat in some very important way and so they have to assemble from throughout time mrs doubtfire i got it i got it i got it christy thomas walter from walter world steve from stranger future okay the sun is about to go supernova humanity has advanced to the the degree that we know how to tap into 
the space-time continuum in such a way that we can seed a new universe when yeah. our universe collapses. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And what we need is caretakers, shepherds, yeah. caretakers to see this new infant universe through its matu- maturity. Yes. Until we can repopulate the galaxy. Yes. Again. And it's a and it's the last throes of humanity, and we've we've gone back in time and found the best babysitters in history. Yeah. Okay. Isn't that good? Wh- whoever babysitted uh, Romulus and Remus. After we're assembling they, them the to put them in a Romulus pod and, and launch them into a black hole to to generate the new... Whoever universe. found Moses in the fucking... Uh, in the stream. I think whatever. it was Jesus. No, it wasn't Jesus. I think so. I know it wasn't. It's been a while since I read the Bible. I, I, I think it was Jesus. It definitely was. Well, it was definitely... Well, then it was the Pharaoh. Look, it's time to park this porpoise. That's something that I want. Okay. <laughs> hey, it's time you for Daddy so. to park this porpoise. Yeah. <laughs> I know you've got a porpoise to park as well, so I don't want to keep you. Yeah. Uh, we're going to end this episode. I want us to keep thinking about this concept of the League of Extraordinary the Babysitters. Oh, we have to come up. We have to We have to add something to the, uh, the outro, and I think we probably do this. What? I'm sending it to you. Okay, you're sending me something for the outro. What I would like to say is thank you so much to everybody for bearing with us. I would like to thank you, Tanner, for bearing with me. I would like to remind everybody, please, for the love of God, to subscribe to our Patreon. You must, you absolutely must subscribe to our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash podcast. We have a whole other podcast, and it's good and fun, and everybody likes it. Please join the party. It's great over there, and it's only $5 a month. Not a lot. Please also join the Baby Nation Facebook group, rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts, and buy our merch. Our merch can be found at bit.ly slash merch. All that remains is for me to say that this week we read a novel. It was big, uh, what was it? A visual radio novel. Visual, we read a visual they call it. radio Japan. novel this week. It was called Mrs. Doubtfire. Mm-hmm. Next week, we haven't figured it out, actually. Yeah, uh, we can consult the list. I want to do something a little. Uh, you want? You've been saying you want to do something a little off the beaten track. How about a comic book? Um, there's a Wolverine and X Men thing. If you can, if you want to curate that, we can talk about it. Or a Lone Wolf and Cub. I mean, Lone Wolf. The problem with Lone Wolf and Cub is that it's like literally no one knows what it is. It's one of the most famous manga in the world. Literally, no one has any concept. I mean, I'm down to do it, but it might be a little much. Let me look at the list real quick. Shut up. Okay, I'm here. Wolverine. Hey, what did I just say to you? Let me look at the list real quick. And then? And then shut up. <laughs> we don't have to decide now. We're, we're not going to decide okay. now. And we're not going to decide now. What we're going to do is we're going to put in the Facebook group, which you must join. You know what Baby we're going to do? You we're know what gonna we're going to say do? what it is. You know what we're going to do? What? A Twitter poll. Okay. Perfect. We're going to find three pieces of written media, be it comic book or book. Yeah. And we're going to poll you to see which one you want us yeah. to do. And follow week. us on Twitter at BSCC Podcast. Yep. Yep. All that remains is for me to say this week that I have been Jack Alexander Shepard. My name is The Bone Dancer. This is the way. Berries to blood. There is no God, and we are his prophets. 
Seek the sub, hide the weasel, park the porpoise, a bit of the old Humpty Dumpty. Did we not come up with one for uh, Adventures in Babysitting or Stranger Things? neither did we. How lazy are we? I don't know if we did for Stranger Things. I haven't edited it yet. Little Jack Horny, the Horizontal Mambo, the Bone Dancer, Rumple Foreskin, Baloney Bop, a bit of the old cunning linguistics, route off the corners in your bedroom, drown all your dolls, call your senator and demand your right to bear time, and do not forget to let Daddy love you as much as I do. Remember the Delaney's. Remember the trip, man. Take your dream horse through that maze. I may be a pretty shitty boyfriend, but it turns out I'm actually a pretty damn good babysitter. Claudia's wearing a bra now, and the way she talks... You would think that boys had just been. Okay, I'm playing, recording again. One. Guess how much money I've made off Bitcoin? Thir- $11. $12 now. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> what a fucking... There goes my hero. <laughs> <laughs> Riding the derecho, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. Ready? That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>